Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, broadcasting from the island of Antigua. I'm Nathan Owens. Sitting across the desk from me is Brother Nestor Campbell, a familiar voice here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. He is filling in once again tonight for Pastor Murphy. Many of you have asked, where is Pastor Murphy? Pastor Murphy's on vacation for the month of June, and Lord willing, he will be back next week. But until then, Brother Campbell is here to fill in and continue to do a great job as he has so far through the month of June. Brother Campbell, it is good to have you sitting across the desk from me. Thank you so much, Brother Nathan. And uh, it is indeed a pleasure. And uh, this is the last session I'll be having on behalf of Dr. Murphy. Um, Not so much on behalf of, but courtesy Dr. Murphy, and I appreciate the opportunity afforded me to serve the Lord in this way. It is good to have you here. And again, this is a live, interactive call-in program, so we look forward to your interaction, and there is a number of ways that you can communicate with us. You can call in and be put live on the air. By calling 1-268-462-7420. Again, call and be put live on the air. 268-462-7420. You can also WhatsApp or text your question to CRL, or excuse me, WhatsApp or text to 268-782-1454. WhatsApp or text your question to 782 one four five four or email CRL that's truth at gmail dot com. CRL that's truth at gmail dot com. That's all one word, no space, no apostrophe. And the final way that you can communicate with us is you can go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Click on the Facebook Live video feed, and then right there on your device, whether your device is large or small, in the comment section, you can send your question, your thoughts, suggest a topic for a future episode of That's Truth, and it will get passed along to Brother Campbell live on the air. Now, tonight, uh, we are going to take a step away from what Brother Campbell was teaching us the last couple of weeks in relation to the family, in relation to marriage and finance. We are stepping into current events in many ways, a country that really is the center of 
historical events, the center of current day geopolitical events, and will be the center of geopolitical and religious and also many, uh, I shouldn't maybe say many, but some a very uh, gruesome uh, future in the sense of persecution and war or wars to come. But it is the country of Israel. We're going to be focused specifically on lessons from Israel for today and beyond. Now, Brother Campbell, I know you've done a lot of research on this topic and have prepared a lot of material. But as we jump into it, let me ask you, when you say Israel, and I know there's a fair bit of confusion on this, can you define what, who are the Israelites and who do you mean by Israel in our topic tonight? Paul would normally uh, explain that by speaking about Israel after the flesh. Uh, for example, in Romans chapter 9, <clears throat> you will find that reference. Um, Romans uh, chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, I think, verses 1 and 2, thereabouts. All right, I'll start with verse 1. Mm -hmm. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also, bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I wish, for I could wish that myself were accursed for Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. To whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises? Whose are continue? Uh, yes, good. Uh, Whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerned the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed, forever. Amen. I think Paul, Paul is giving us there a, a clear and yet a deep definition of Israel after the flesh. Um, certainly, we know them to be the descendants of Abraham, whom God called away from Pedanaram uh, in chapters 11 and 12 of Genesis. Called away in 11, he calls him away from the country, and then in 12, he calls him away from his father, as such, and uh, promises him that is to uh, Abraham, promises Abraham enormous blessings, and those blessings are based on Abraham being faithful, and Abraham was faithful to the point where Paul also refers to him as um, the father of the nation of Israel, and that's after the flesh, and the father of the faithful, so that uh, Abraham becomes this father person, more than just father figure. Uh, and through him we have Isaac, and then uh, Jacob, and the uh, who was renamed Israel, um, there in Genesis chapter 32. Uh, you will find there the angel telling Jacob, uh, your, well, um, 
what's your name? And he says, well, my name is Jacob. He said, well, you'll no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because as a, you know, a prince, as a prince with God, thou hast prevailed. And um, so he gets the name Israel. And he has 12 sons, and these become the children of Israel. And so the nation of Israel was often referred to as the children of Israel. God led them into a land and did not give them the land, we are told in uh, Hebrews 11. Uh, but they sojourned in Egypt and uh, later became servants to the Egyptians because the prosperity of the Jews was so significant that Pharaoh felt threatened. And he said, well, let's give them a hard time. And they set about to do that. But God raised up Moses to deliver them from Egypt. And then, having brought them across the Red Sea and through the wilderness, he finally, with the hand through the hand of uh, Joshua, led them across the Jordan into the Promised Land. And that is where they uh, are right now. But to say they are right now is to leave out so much. But I hope we can fill in as we go along. And I think that the fact that they are there right now is a message to every single individual born in this life on this earth because it is the magnificent work of God, miraculous work of God, that has kept them through these uh, millennia and brought them and kept them to, in Israel for us in this generation to be able to reflect on the great work of God that he has done and is doing through the nation of Israel. But they are there in the Middle East as evidence that God never fails what he promises. He, 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 what, he's, what he promises, he is able to perform. Very recently, just in the last couple of weeks, I was told that we here at the Radio Lighthouse um, are misinterpreting Scripture based on the fact that the true Israelites are in Africa not in the Middle East. How would you respond to that from a biblical worldview from uh, Scripture? Well, I wonder if we are the ones who should be explaining it because those who say that the true Israel are from Africa need to explain how they got there, uh, from whom did they descend. And uh, if they can't explain it, then we have nothing to explain. Because the Bible is our source. And one of the things that I was planning to present today, I, I, I did change it and start all over again, but one of the things that I planned, had planned to present today was to show the authenticity of the Word of God based on prophecy. Hmm. The fact that God could predict precisely what will happen and give clear indication of when it will happen, etc. And we can live at to see these things coming to pass 
is enough evidence that God is true and adequate enough uh, reason for us to trust his word. So when God tells us that the children of Israel came from Abraham and uh, Isaac and Jacob and uh, that they were based in Jerusalem, etc., we can trust the word of God. We can believe the word of God. When God says, look, I'm going to scatter Israel all over the world because of their iniquity. They have failed me. They have let me down. They have dishonored me. So I'm going to scatter them among all nations. God says that. And then he says, in the last days, I will bring them together as a nation. Now, I would like to know which people can be scattered around the world like that and still... Uh, hundreds and even thousands of years later be brought back as a nation. They could identify themselves, they could be identified by others, and they could be brought back as a nation. And to have it happen as it happened in, I would call it, our times, because there are people, even if we weren't there at the time, there were people who were there in 1948 when Israel was reborn. And they could testify to us to the fact that Israel was reborn in 1948, uh, some 74 years ago. And uh, not only that, but the way it happened, the wars that were fought in 1948, in 1972, 1967, all these times, these the wars that were fought to destroy Israel. I remember myself as a young man listening to the report of uh, President Nasser from Egypt saying he will drive Israel into the sea. Hmm. And poor me, I'm trembling and wondering what will happen to Israel. But within a matter of days, Nasser himself was uh, offering terms of surrender virtually to Israel. And, Nas and Egypt in those days should have been strong enough and were strong enough. They, they, they were well armed with the, the state-of-the-art Russian uh, warplanes and, uh, and the tanks. They said it is reported that the, the tanks were so many uh, that the Russians had provided them that they did not even have time to put, apply the camouflage paint on them. So when the Israelis started flying over the Gaza, etc., where the, the tanks were in open field, it was easy target for them to destroy. So those who had the, their armament and their numbers, think about Egypt, where Israel in, in, in 1963 uh, would have had a population of about three and a half million people. Egypt was way over that. The, then there was Syria, also far bigger population than, than the Israeli. And then there was Jordan. And uh, they were all coming at, at Israel simultaneously. But Israel defeated them, and nobody to this day could explain how it happened except the hand of God 
was with Israel. So with that kind of evidence, I cannot be deceived into thinking that any group of people in Africa or in Asia or in anywhere else make up the, 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 the true Israelites. The true Israelites are the people in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, in what we know today as Israel. You're listening to That's Truth. It's a live call-in program. And if you have a question, it doesn't have to pertain to Israel. It can be about any topic. And you would like it answered from a biblical worldview, or you want to know why the Bible says something or doesn't say it. Maybe you don't even claim to be a Christian or a believer. That is not a problem at all. We are honored that you have taken time out of your Tuesday evening to listen to the program. If you have a question, we want to hear it. If you have a question... There's a 99% chance that other people have that same question. And if you're trying to decide whether to call in or whether to send it in, go ahead and send it in. Because not only are you getting the question answered for yourself, but you are helping others also. It is a safe place to ask your questions. We're not here to belittle or argue with you. Here to hear your question, your concern, and then answer it from a biblical worldview. You can interact with us in a number of ways. You can call and be put live on the air by calling 1-268-462-7420. Again, I'll give that number to you again. This is the number to be put live on the air, 268-462-7420. If you would rather WhatsApp or text your question, you can send it to 268 782 1454. WhatsApp or text 268-782-1454. Or you can join us on Facebook. Go to the Radio Light, Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Click on the Facebook Live video feed. And then right there in the comments section on your device, you can send in your question, no matter what topic it is about, and we will pass it along to Brother Campbell live on the air. Until we get your questions, we are going to continue talking about Israel in the modern day. And uh, Brother Campbell, you mentioned something there that I thought segued great into the direction that we're going, prophecy, and how that uh, you can point, look at prophecy in Scripture and bring it to contemporary events that are taking place that were clearly predicted by the prophets. And you referenced some of them uh, briefly there in your last answer. But would you like to expound on that any further, maybe additional uh, explanations of contemporary events that are pointed out in Scripture, or maybe expound on them a little further? Yes. Um, the one, one that I would mention is the prophecy in Daniel that in the last days knowledge shall increase men shall travel to and fro and if ever there is a fulfillment of prophecy it is in those two areas the increase of knowledge has been so rapid over the past two decades three decades thereabout that it is mind-boggling and uh, I'm sure for many persons my age, if we were uh, in a coma or something for a number of years and got out to see what was happening in our world today, we would be wondering if we are in the same place 
that we were before the the event that uh, took our consciousness away. Um, and I think for those who are born into this development, it might seem, well, it's all I knew ever since. Um, I have two young grandchildren, and uh, I, I am just fascinated with their ability to um, to handle the devices that are around them. As a matter of fact, I confess, uh, one four-year-old, and uh, he had been looking on this, having screen time, and uh, he was spending a little few hours with me, and I, so I said, I think that's enough. Um, and uh, I tried to turn the thing off. It was my wife's device. It wasn't mine, so I wasn't too familiar with it. <laughs> and I tried to turn it off, and I couldn't get it. And I said, his name is Aaron. I said, Aaron, turn this off for me. <laughs> and, of course, he was glad to comply, and he went and turned it off. And I was so happy that um, I was able to resolve that problem by using the four-year-old himself. He quickly got to where, wherever he had to go and touch what he had to touch. Uh, you know, and this, this morning I had a, a, a Zoom session, uh, some legal matters with a, an office, and uh, the young lawyer, I have to say young lawyer, if she's listening, I apologize for that, but she did look very young, uh, said to myself and my wife, you know, you people would have a hard time handling these systems and so forth. Um, and, of course, I tried to turn it around and say, well, you know, I was, I was born before the system. <laughs> so, <laughs> but truly, the, the, the development of knowledge is amazing. I, I, I read recently, and many of us have been following up the whole business of military hardware and and, and the development of the armaments and uh, the go-to weapon or that, well that is being boasted about now is the um, the um, the rockets that are going so many times faster than the speed the speed of sound and um, so I remember just about a month or two ago, the Prime Minister, the President of one superpower country, was boasting that his rockets, uh, his missiles, could go so fast that uh, nobody can detect them with their radar or anything like that. And yesterday, I read that the Americans have developed a radar system that can pick up those uh, very fast missiles that are supposed to be undetectable. Undetect it's just changing, you mm. know. One develops a missile system, another this develops a way to destroy it. Then they improve on it, and it's countered. And it's happening. But the Bible says this is the age of knowledge. Knowledge shall be increased. It also mentions men shall travel to and fro. And it is amazing that now people are traveling so much that the air, airlines can't even 
uh, handle the volume of, of passengers. Flights are being cancelled in, in large numbers because the airlines just can't, cannot cope. But everybody wants to travel, and who's not going to be traveling by air, will travel by sea, pleasure trips maybe, um, travel by land. And uh, I don't know if it is true, but I see coming up on my, 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 my cell phone in the, in the news area that there is now a, a high-speed air, air bike, like a, a motorcycle that can uh, fly through the air, they say, at 800 miles per hour. I don't mm. know that I can believe that, but uh, that's what it says, and it comes up. People are traveling, and they're finding more and more ingenious, ingenious means of 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 getting from one place to the other as quickly as they can, and uh, they 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 they're, they're just making it a lifestyle. You know, I've got relatives and so on who just travel. Not you know, uh, I was visited by one recently, and as we drove through Antigua with them, they say, oh. Oh, we saw that something like that in Egypt, and we saw something like that in uh, Cuba, and, and I'm telling you, this is actually yeah. what happened, you know. And people are traveling all around. So when we see these scriptures coming to pass, and in in Isaiah 40, 41, 42, 43, God says, "Which of you so-called gods could predict what will happen the way I am doing?" And with God predicting, we thank God that we can trust Him. Brother Campbell, we have a caller from Bendel's Antigua. Thank you for calling, and go ahead with your question, please. Good evening, Good evening, Brother Williams. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to hear your voice. What can we do for you tonight? Yes, I'm Pastor Campbell. Good night. Good night, Brother Williams. Yes, uh, Pastor Campbell, uh, what do you think of with Daniel fasting and other fasting that Christ fasts. So we would say about oh, this one fast at Daniel fast. What's the difference with Daniel fasting and normal fasting? Well, uh, Daniel had a 21-day fast, and uh, many have been adopting it. And uh, some uh, referred to the fact that there was... There were certain things that he did not eat during that time. I sometimes summarize it as no sweet, no meat, and no wheat. Uh, so persons looking at what Daniel did feel that they want to have the Daniel experience and they go through that fast. You ask, what's the difference with the fast of Christ? Well. The Lord Jesus himself did not fast as far as I know. As a matter of fact, he said that while the uh, bridegroom is with the, in the bride chamber, there's been no fasting. You, when the bridegroom is there, there's feasting, not fasting. But he says the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away and his uh, disciples will fast. The question was actually asked why your disciples don't fast while the disciples of John uh, fasted. So, um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put it as a difference between 
Daniel's fast and fasting of Christ. Of course, Christ taught us about fasting. He said that we should, when we fast, we should, uh, you know, anoint our face and make ourselves pleasant. Don't try to look uh, depressed and let everybody know that you're fasting. Uh, just be happy, you know, while fasting. What about the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness uh, before he was tempted of the devil? Um, would you would you consider that a type of fast? Um, I would probably say not certainly not uh, not not one that was uh, meant to be imitated okay. by us. Um, a 40-day fast, the way Jesus fasted, would be detrimental to our health, etc. And he did that before the, he commenced his ministry. It is after that that his ministry commenced, and that is why he would make the comment about not fasting while the bridegroom is present. So, so, so Pastor Campbell, when David, when David fasted, there's a different fasting with, with Daniel fasting, but David say he worried about with fasting. Yes, Daniel, Daniel obviously fasted because of his burden about the sin of Israel. That was a, a, a fasting as a, a national patriot and a man of God. David very often fasted when he was confronted with particular events or problems. For example, as you know, this his, his um, encounter with Bathsheba. Not Bathsheba, sorry. Um, yeah. Is it Bathsheba? Bathsheba, yeah. Yeah, since his encounter with Bathsheba, uh, resulting in uh, a child being born and then the child is sick. And so David goes into a time of fasting and praying. But it was out of that event. It was a personal problem that brought him a burden that he found difficult to bear. And he went into a fast to deal with that personal problem. However, we know what happened. When the child died, he got up and he said, look, let me have my bread and my uh, and, and and sit and have my meal. And the people were quite amazed with While the child was alive, you were fasting and you were praying. We couldn't comfort you. How come you're now doing this? He said, well, while he was alive, I fasted in the hope that he will survive. But now he's dead. I can't do anything about that. You know, I, I, I will go to him sometime, but he won't come back to me. So, so, Pastor, so a person cannot get up and say, okay, I'm going to fast a seven-day fasting before they prepare themselves for that? Sorry, could I ask the question again, please? A person cannot get up and say, okay, I'm going to fast three days or seven-day fasting, and, and they have to prepare themselves for that, for that fasting? I, I believe that there's a need to prepare both physically and spiritually. Uh, because if we're not prepared spiritually in particular, we might be fasting just for the attention that it gives us and uh, to let everybody know we're fasting, you know. Uh, so thank God, brother, I was able to fast all day today. Let's give thanks for my fasting. You know, these are things people do. And... Um, I think that if you're spiritually prepared, uh, 
that is they won't be very much of that instead there will be a uh, humbling of oneself and fasting is really meant to humble oneself you know um and uh, some people some persons will find it difficult you know but what i've told myself i myself find it very difficult to be honest with you maybe because of the uh, upbringing, spiritual upbringing. I did not grow up in a church where fasting was ever mentioned as something we should do. And uh, but in later life, I, I I tried, and I can tell you it was uh, very challenging. And uh, what I've decided to do at times is to say, well, boy, I, I I really want, I really I'm having a hard time. But Lord, thank you for the hard time I'm having. <laughs> you know. So it, it's a matter of humbling oneself uh, and uh, submitting oneself to God. The, the whole fasting experience should help to draw us closer to the Lord. If you're going to fast for three days or four days, if you're going to discover it with your wife or your husband before you, you go into that fasting. We should have the consent of your mar- of your spouse. Uh, we're told in First Corinthians chapter chapter 7 um, and it says also don't let it last so long that you cause the other person to be discouraged or even to face temptation First uh, Corinthians chapter 7 and um, let me see if I can pick up the verse um, Anyhow, it tells you that it should... Verse number five. Verse number five. Okay, could you... Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Exactly. So, yes, it should be with consent. It shouldn't be very long. Okay, then. Thank for the explanation. Thanks for the question. Thank you for the call, Brother Williams. We appreciate it. Continue to encourage others to tune into That's Truth and continue to listen. You're listening to That's Truth, a live interactive call-in program on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.14 Still 45 minutes left in tonight's episode. Plenty of time for you to contact us. Don't hesitate. Go ahead and call in live with your question. The phone line is open and available. The number to call to be put live on the air is 1-268-462-7420. Or you can WhatsApp or text your question to 268 782 1454. Or you can join us on Facebook. Go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Click on the Facebook Live video link. And then right there on your device in the comment section, you can send us your question or your concerns or your comment. And we will pass it along to Brother Campbell live on the air. We are talking about Israel and contemporary events that have taken place in the life of the nation of Israel that we can point to and that were predicted by 
prophets throughout Scripture. Brother Campbell, any other of those contemporary events that you want to draw your our attention to before we move on? Well, in the question of Israel and prophecies being fulfilled, we can probably keep our eyes on what is happening in Eastern Europe uh, with the invasion of of um, Ukraine. Ukraine by the Russians. Uh, we know that the the Russians are, are, are pointed out in the Word of God. Uh, to some extent, they, they, there's a clear prediction in Ezekiel 38 that they are going to come against Israel. And uh, they're going to be, they obviously have to develop a lot more than they are right now as a military force before they could do that. And uh, it seems as though the current president of Russia has in mind building up the, 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 the uh, forces of the Russian army with the forces of other Eastern European uh, countries, especially those that speak the Slav language. And, um, and with that, we can see a preparation for Ezekiel 38 uh, coming to pass. Um, uh, if we look at... Uh, Ezekiel 38, maybe the first two verses. All right. First two verses of Ezekiel 38 say, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Okay, so it is determined by Bible scholars that Meshach and Tubal are two uh, um, cities in in modern day Russia and uh, uh, verse 3 says uh, and say thus the Lord says the Lord God behold I am against thee O Gog the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal and the Gog and Magog, uh, Gog being the prince, is it? The prince of Magog and the uh, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Again, there's a reference to Russia. And uh, um, I think it mentions in particular those coming from the north in verse 6. i seeing that. Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with the the north and um, I looked at the map um, the uh, world map and the map of Europe and I see Russia and Israel falling directly south of Russia so Russia is directly north of Israel and the Bible is so very specific 
that it speaks about those uh, northern armies, and it says, with many people with thee. It also has other accompanying forces. Verse 5 mentions some of them. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. And as you continue to read and to study those uh, predictions, you can see the images of modern armament. It speaks about uh, like chariots going before them is a, like the Garden of Eden, and behind them is desert. So those, they just uh, lay waste to, to the lands before them. And if you look at the news and the television today, it's very much that same scenario that is being uh, worked out and uh, that is coming to pass. It is a clear prediction from the Word of God, and uh, it can be believed. Now, obviously, we don't know exactly when that will be fulfilled, but we can see evidence that is a preparation for the time when that, that, that prophecy will come to pass. Any other contemporary events you want to draw our attention to before we move on? Um, well, the amazing thing, too, is that with Israel coming back into their lands, some marvelous things have happened. Since I was young myself, I've been hearing the reports of desert being transformed into flourishing field, and we have those predictions specifically mentioned in the Bible. So the, the Turks who controlled uh, Jerusalem for some 400 years before General Allenby, the British general, uh, actually moved in and accepted the surrender of the Turks in Jerusalem in uh, 11th of December, um, 1917. Uh, before that, these people control, these Turks control these lands, the Muslims control them, and they were deserts and they remained desert. They continued to be desert. They produced nothing. But Israel took over in 1948. Israel became an independent country under the um, instructions and, and, uh, and the guidance and help of the United Nations. Israel became an independent country, and shortly after, they started to transform these desert lands into fruitful vales and flourishing fields. And as the Lord says to them, where there's no water, I will provide you water. You know, in, in, um, in, um, in Isaiah, sorry, I'm Isaiah chapter... Uh, 41, in verse 18, verse 17. Isaiah 41:17 17, and 18 say, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. 
Isaiah 41 verse 18 says, I will open rivers in the high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. That's a promise he made. made. Could you read verse 19 too? Yeah. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shittah tree, and the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together. You notice where he said he will set up the tree? The tree in the desert. In the desert. That and he has his reasons that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord had done this and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. So when we see these things happening in Israel, and it's just amazing, uh, it's the hand of the Lord. And I have, I can testify to the proof of it, because uh, in Guyana, where I was born and grew up, the then Prime Minister, when I was young, felt that boy, what's happening in Israel is great. I want it to happen in Guyana. So he negotiated with the Israeli authorities to send skilled men to do some of those things in Guyana. And uh, suddenly we had a oil crisis and he thought, well, the Arabs are the people to align yourself with because they have oil. So he he drove out the Israelis and uh, the, the, the agricultural project that they started never came to fruition. In Jamaica, I lived there for a number of years, and when I moved into Jamaica, the joke was still being made that the Israelis were asked to plant winter vegetables in Spring Plain. There's a place in Jamaica called Spring Plain. And because the project failed, those who were in opposition at the time were laughing at the government and said, how could you plant winter vegetables in Spring Plain? It failed in Guyana, it failed in Jamaica, because God was doing that in Israel, for Israel, for the world to see. And we have to recognize that this is the work of the Lord. This is the hand of the Lord. And I I am convinced that God, when he determined that he was going to raise up a nation, the nation of Israel. He was doing it for the world that he had created so that we could see through his hand on Israel what a God he is and we can trust him too. You referenced there uh, his foreknowledge. In addition to the foreknowledge of God, what other aspects of the Godhead are displayed by these events that we're able to point to that were predicted in Scripture that now are uh, contemporary events? I think that the, there's a foreknowledge of God, as mentioned, and God uh, would often refer to that foreknowledge. But there is also the love of God that comes out. The fact that God cared for Israel and that he is using Israel to make us aware of what a caring God he is, what a loving God he is. Um, I think that that is very important. Uh, 
um, again in <coughs> excuse me in in um, Romans chapter nine, chapter nine and chapter eleven, we have those references to how God would uh, deal with the with the Gentiles after Israel let God down, and uh, this is to me the love of God for all His creation. So when our Lord Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, we must also thank God for Israel because it is through Israel, as we read in, in chapter 9 a while ago there, brother, earlier, it is through Israel that these revelations about God's love and God's care, God's laws, God's standard of righteousness, all come out through Israel. But there's also not just the, the love of God, but, um, you know, the judgment comes out too. Because there's no nation on earth, I, I would say, that has suffered as extensively and uh, as deeply as the children of Israel. You would imagine that they're God's favored people and yet Jesus would say in, uh, in, in Luke chapter 21, I think it is, he said, look, not one stone will be left on the other when they're finished with you here. And uh, the Romans under Nero would come and, and destroy Israel, you know. Later, around uh, 100 A.D., thereabout, the the proclamation was made that no Jew should be found in Israel. You know, they, uh, and and you know how proud the people the Jews were. And then, through the ages, they are attacked by nations. They are destroyed. They are scattered. Why? Because, and, and Ezekiel 36 tells us that very clearly, because they have polluted the land of Israel. God says, because of what you've done, I am scattering you around the world. They have suffered, and that is telling us about the judgment of God. And if God spared not Israel, or as Paul would put it, if he spared not the natural branch, be careful lest he spare not you the Gentiles. So there is also the lesson of judgment. There's a lesson of love. There's a lesson of foreknowledge. And there are other lessons as well that um, we may mention from time to time if we uh, have enough time left in the broadcast. Would you say there's any other assurances that come to your mind that are provided by these events for those who uh, believe Scripture? Yes, I believe that there is assurance that what God promises, He's able to perform. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 6, and um, I hope that you're patient with me. I'm some, I heard a preacher referring to some persons as biblicists 
And I said, I heard that very recently, and I said, wow, that's a good name for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Can't go wrong if you stay true to Scripture. Exactly. So let's see uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, the, towards the end of Hebrews chapter 6. The last three verses or so there, if you can. All right, there's 20 verses, so I'm going to start with 18. Hebrews 6, 18 says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Verse 20, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Verse 13, I can read that. It says, For when God, thank you very much, brother. For when God made promise to Abraham, that's the father of the Jews, because he could swear by no other, by no greater, he swear or swore by himself, saying, "Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee." And so, after he had patiently endured, as Abraham, he obtained the promise. And we, from what God has done to Israel can have that assurance that what he has promised, he is able to perform. And he promised eternal life to those who believe on his son, Jesus Christ. And we need need not have any fear. We can be assured that those promises will be fulfilled. And that thought continues to be developed in those verses that you read, verses 18 to 20, very clearly. And and, and I'm, I'm encouraged, I'm very much encouraged by these words and these promises. So an interesting question that has come to my mind is should you're encouraged by it, but is there anyone that should not be comforted or encouraged by the fact that these prophecies have come true? Yes. And uh, maybe again um Maybe uh, in Hebrews uh, 27, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. um, Hebrews chapter 9, 27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment, judgment. so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So that if we do not trust in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be warned, I wouldn't say assured, but we can be warned, those who will not trust in him must be warned that there is the judgment. And uh, this is not the only place in the Bible where that is uh, is referenced. In Acts chapter uh, 17, verse 30, verses 30 and 31, 
All right, Acts 17, 30 and 31 says, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but he now commendeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. So there's a warning. God hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. And even for Christians, we need to be forewarned by the the teachings of the of the scripture and, and realize that these are things to be taken very, very seriously. For example, uh, in again in Hebrews, we seem to be stuck on Hebrews a little bit, <laughs> uh, <coughs> where it mentions in verse 28. Of what chapter? Uh, Hebrews 10, sorry. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. We can read about two verses there. Hebrews 10, 28 says, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be brought thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Verse 30 says, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. Thank you very much. Could you read 38, to, uh, 38 and 39? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hebrews ten thirty-eight and 39, if you're wanting to follow along in your own Bible, say, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And finishing out the chapter with verse 39, But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I love that final verse that you read, brother. I love it very much. You know, we are not of them who draw back. Because as Hebrews 12 would say, we are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, uh, you find that in um, verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 say, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. And uh, just one last scripture. In the same chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. 
for our God is a consuming fire. So all the stories about Israel and the prophecies and the fulfilling of these prophecies and the marvelous things that are happening there in our times for our eyes to, to behold are not just to, uh, to get us interested for a little while or to tickle our fancies, but actually to prepare us for things beyond this life. And uh, that is something that to, to think about, that beyond this life, the only source of information we have about what happens beyond this life, the only authentic and reliable source is the Bible. And so we are called upon to trust in the Lord, to recognize that there is judgment, that God had appointed a day in which he will judge the world by that man whom he had ordained, wherefore he had given assurance unto all men in that he had raised him from the dead, but that also our God is a consuming fire. And God will have no favor for those who draw back, but we are not of those that draw back. So all that's happening in Israel and all that's happening in our world today are things to draw us closer to the Lord. And I hope that somehow those listening will take time to think on these things and to act on them in our churches, in our communities, in our region, in our nations, in the uh, seat of government, in the positions of justice, judiciary, in law enforcement, in business, in agriculture. Wherever we are, let us recognize that there is a God. He's a mighty God. He is a loving God. He's a caring God. And uh, he's also a just God. Brother Campbell, I enjoy building things, whether it's something electronics or woodworking. But if I realize I'm partway through a project and something is not going as it's supposed to, my tendency is to toss it aside and start again or to set the project aside. How do you account for the people of Israel rejecting God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet they continue to be the recipient of God's special attention. It is, I, I have to be careful how I say this, but it is no different from the fact that there are many people out there in the world, Gentiles, because we are either Jew or Gentile, and uh, who are also living awful lives, doing terrible things, and yet they are recipients of the grace of God. So it is with Israel. They are recipients of the grace of God, but for how long? When will God say, enough is enough? And I remember uh, an Israeli uh, Prime Minister once making that statement and it was repeated many times in the news all around the world. Enough is enough. Rabin, Prime Minister Rabin, Yikshak Rabin, I think was his name. And uh, 
God will also say, enough is enough. Yes, God is good to Israel, but I tell you, God is good to all of us. God is gracious to every one of us. But God will not uh, always, his spirit, he says in Genesis 5, uh, my spirit will not always thrive with men. I don't remember if it's Genesis 5 or 6, but uh, my spirit will not always thrive with men. And so we have to be careful to what extent we are going to defy God, provoke God. You know, and this is why I took the time off for us to read those portions in Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 12. Because God says, if you, if those who defied Moses, who rejected Moses' law, suffered immensely for it, how much more those who reject Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Let us not reject Jesus Christ. And let us not, in our churches, act as if the whole worship is about me, my enjoyment. And so it has to be all about my enjoyment and my having a good time and I'm coming back to church because I'm having a good time what about Jesus you know the sons of Clo um, not Clo the Korah the sons of Korah were committed and dedicated to singing the songs of God and the Bible says day and night we read about that in First Chronicles chapter 9 and day and night but their praising God and singing the songs of Zion was for the glory of God, not for personal enjoyment. Oh yes, I must be happy when God is glorified. Uh, the song must not make me feel lost and, and uh, forsaken and so forth. But let it be for the glory of God. We've got 15 minutes left in tonight's episode. Still plenty of time for you, or I should say enough time for you to call in with your question and ask it live on the air. If you have a question, it doesn't have to pertain just to the topic of Israel. It can be about anything. Feel free to call in at one 462 7420 That'll put you live on the air. Or you can WhatsApp or text your question to 268 782 one four five four. You can also join us on Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page and comment under the Facebook Live video feed in the comment section, and those comments will get passed along to Brother Campbell live on the air. Brother Campbell, as we continue our discussion about Israel, would you say that there is any current world event that you feel points to the next stage of national suffering or blessing for the nation of Israel? Well, I mentioned already the the, the, the war in Ukraine. It might appear totally unrelated to anything to do with Israel. It's, I mean, it's, is a huge, there's a huge distance between uh, where that war is going on and where Israel is. But for us, the link is what we read in the Word of God. And that is why I would think that um, we should pay attention to, to that event. But not only that, uh, 
I'm also thinking that we in this age, this particular uh, part of the 21st century, have become addicted to lies, have lies have become acceptable to us. Uh, we don't hold it with the same amount of concern and and uh, uh, well to reject it as was in the past and when I see that happening when lies are defended even by those who should be teaching against lies and so forth I see what is coming not just to Israel but to our world in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we have just such a uh, matter being dealt with. Um, so that is one of the concerns that I have for our world. Because lying is of the devil. The Lord, our Lord Jesus said the, the, the devil was a, you're of your father the devil, and he was a liar from the beginning. And so anything to do with the devil is going to be based on deception and on truth. All right, so Second Thessalonians chapter 2, um, Paul is speaking, and, and thank God for, for giving Paul the wisdom he gave him. He says, speaking verse 8, verses 8, 9, and 10, starting in verse 8 and then shalt that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders verse 10 and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved exactly and notice the connection with satan yes and uh, rejection of the truth and uh, i you know paul says to the corinthian christians uh in Second Corinthians thirteen, I think it is. He says uh, maybe verse five. Second, Second Corinthians thirteen and verse five. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves that how Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. I think that call to examine ourselves is 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 pertinent to. Uh, these times because we can be in the church and approved by the pastors the pastor um, because we're helpful because of other reasons you know um, and we feel good but we know but if we examine ourselves we'll see that there is something missing and if there's something missing we need to fix it right because as the Word of God says, uh, man look on the outward appearance, but God look on the heart. Brother 
Campbell. We have Codrington calling from Antigua. Codrington, please go ahead with your question very quickly. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Please. Uh, you know, when you um, talk about Codrington, you know that made, uh, I'm a child of um, baby, uh, baby mother. So, um, take with my question. Um, we start in the Old Testament. You can find they call brother in Sixteen. Uh, you have a question? Tell me. So why is it that I call you Brother Campbell? Why is it that you call me Brother Nathan? And is there a verse in the Old Testament that backs that up? Old Testament? That, that's his question. Yeah. Okay. Well, Maybe there might be one in the New Testament. Oh, there is in the New Testament. And there is in the Old Testament as well. Um, I think we... It would be around verse... Um. Mm, well, you, <laughs> Codrington, I think the uh, Abraham says to Lot, "Don't let us quarrel over land, because we be brethren." Uh, um. Where is it? Where they have to divide? When he said, if you go this way, I'll go the other way. Okay, I'm not picking it up right away, but uh, it must well, be. Even though we don't have the exact reference, mm -hmm. uh, that gives Codrington a, a direction to go. And uh, in the, as far as it relates to the the New Testament, what would you, how would you answer that, Brother Campbell? I think in First Corinthians chapter eight, we have. Uh, Clear reference to brethren. Mm. I feel disappointed that I didn't give Cottington that verse in, in the Old Testament. But it's there. Uh, I think it made more like chapter 13 or so. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter 8, the Chapter eight. Uh, the first verse says, Moreover, brethren, mm -hmm. we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And then he continues on talking about the great trial and affliction, the joy, the poverty. Uh, so there's that example. I don't know if that's the one you had in mind there, but in that very first verse, yes, uh, yeah. addressing them as brethren. That's one of them in verse 18. Okay, skipping down to verse 18. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. That's right. And so the, uh, the believers were referred to as brothers and, and, uh, and brethren, etc. Uh, on multiple occasions. And it is a good thing. It is, you know, it, it is exactly what God wants of us, that we should be um, brothers one to the other. We should love one another as God has loved us. And we should be um, a brethren. Now, brethren is not the only title that... Um, one would use, Paul referred to himself as an apostle of Christ, you know, um, on multiple occasions. Peter says, 
uh, to the elders, I write in First Peter chapter 5, and he says, um, who also am an elder. You know, he refers to himself as an elder in First Peter chapter 5. Um, the Bible refers to those with the gift of, of those who are gifted as pastors, and uh, these all have to be recognized. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't make a big thing of personally, that's personally, um, of titles. There's a time when I tried to avoid people calling me by certain title, and I found that I was upsetting people unnecessarily. So today I said, what do you want to call me, call me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Genesis thirteen eight is the verse you were referencing. Uh-huh. I won't take the time to read it, but Codrington, you can look it up. We have a very practical question that has just come in uh, to finish out tonight's episode. Brother Campbell, good night. How do you deal with someone who believes that everything that he or she does is perfect, and if it wasn't for them, things would not go right? Simply put, the person elevates him or herself too much. How do you deal with a person like that? That's probably a whole program in itself. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. And uh, yes, it's a good question and a necessary question. And I, I think that I can look at what Paul says about such people in maybe Second Corinthians 4. Uh, let me see if I got it right. Second Corinthians 4. You, Brother Nathan, you're so gifted in picking up these things. Um, where Paul speaks about those, he says, knowledge profit up. We know that, you know, all right. Um, okay, so that's not it. It may be here. Give me just a second. Uh, all right. But how do you um, address that situation? Somebody who thinks that he is always right. You know what I realize is that for some people... They're not going to be changed here on earth. And what we have to do in order to survive uh, in the midst of such people is to recognize that they wouldn't change. And as the wise man said uh, in his prayer, the Lord help me to um, change the things I can change and uh, accept the things I cannot change and give me the wisdom to know the difference. And so when you have persons like that, you need to recognize whether this is a case where change can come about or you can help to stimulate change or you you cannot and just ask God for the wisdom to know the difference. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Any final words of wisdom to the listener who's asking how to deal with a difficult person in the last 30 seconds of this episode? Heap coals of fire on their head. Romans chapter 12, 
tells us to do that. They annoy you, but find some way to uh, respond with love and care. And the Lord will not only bless you, but he might also touch their hearts and change their lives. Thank you very much for your time, Brother Campbell. Have a blessed night. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.